What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Let's focus on this subject matter today in Zimbabwe. You could hear that story even in our news bulletin. It is a heated topic right now. The High Court in Zimbabwe's capital, Harare, has ruled that the retired Chief Justice Luke Malaba cannot have his expired term of office renewed in line with the new uh, constitutional amendment number two. It took the whole government legal arm to amend the constitution in order to facilitate the extension of a Chief Justice's term after he recently attained 70 years of age, prompting a combined high court challenge by several groups. In their ruling, the court said the constitutional amendment does not give the sitting judges an advantage. Well, let's speak to Dr. Webster Zambara, who's a political commentator and professionally works uh, as a senior project leader in the Peace Building Interventions Program at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. Now, the analyst who's going to be helping us today is advocate Sipo Mandula, researcher at the Tabombeki African School of Public and International Affairs. We need to go to the school at some stage and check out what's happening there. I'm very interested in finding out what's happening there. It's a new uh, space that we still have to explore, but because of COVID-19, we have these limitations. But let's come back to this subject matter. Dr. Zambara, thank you for lending us your expertise this morning. Good morning and good morning to your listeners. Well, let's uh, look at the constitutional changes. It seems like a very bizarre time to have this particular change where powers are given uh, to the Zimbabwean president to extend his powers to appoint his deputies and and top judges. Uh, How did this come about? Thank you. Uh, Indeed, this is a topical issue, but it is important to put these things in, uh, in proper context. Uh, Zimbabwe, uh, the new constitution that was adopted after a very uh, successful referendum in 2018, uh, so about 94% of the voters voted to adopt the constitution. And at the concept, we should be clear that the concept of separation of powers is the most prominent in democratic forms of governance, where there's a separation of powers between the judiciary, the executive, and the legislature. And the binding glue of this uh, arrangement is the Constitution, which is probably the only document and subsequent document that protects the citizens against all these three key pillars of the state. And uh, the other important thing that I think is important to raise is that judicial appointment, which is the main topic at the moment, Judicial appointments, uh, almost nobody, they are done by politicians with the hope that those in the judiciary will be favorable to the executives when make, they make judgments. So we also recall a few months ago, uh, Donald Trump made last-minute judicial appointments uh, in, in, the, in, in, the, in the judiciary. In the mm. And in South Africa, if you recall, there is a narrative that Chief Justice, uh, Deputy Chief Justice Matsoneke was overlooked because the judicial appointment needed to be made. So, in Zimbabwe's case, what we are having has got a precedent. The issue 
of constitutional amendment number two is preceded by constitutional amendment number one, which was pushed in 2016. And people overlooked it because by then the, the issue of appointment of judges was almost secondary. The, the appointment number one pushed for changes to the procedures by which heads of the judiciary are appointed. Mm. The Chief Justice, Deputy Chief Justice, and the, the Judge President of the High Court. This was during Mugabe's tenure. But interestingly, first, the current president, who was the Deputy President, then was also the Minister of Justice. So his ministry was pushing for this change back in 2016. And a legal battle ensued after two key members of the opposition, Jessima uh, Jome and uh, Innocent Gwenez, uh, challenged this, the constitutionality of, this, of these changes. And they argued uh, co correctly mm. that uh, this, uh, this push was unconstitutional because it was against Section 147 of the Constitution. So you can now tell that the current president already was angling at a situation where uh, judiciary, the senior members of the judiciary are do not go under the two interviews uh, like what happened in the appointment of um, Justice Malala. Mm. They pushed that the executive, particularly the president, should appoint in consultation with the Judicial Service Commission, which uh, obviously they would easily be able to manipulate. Mm. So the current situation now, while, while this push was challenged in the court successfully, the government also appealed, but there were many irregularities that were appointed. Now, constitution number two, besides um, looking at uh, the vice presidency and broadening the, the executive, it then added a caveat of increasing the retirement age of the chief judge and the senior judge from 70 to 75. And it was first specifically because the, the outgoing Chief Justice, Justice Malala, turned 70 on Saturday. And if you look at the, the how it was rushed through Parliament, you can tell that it was the executive which originally in 2016 pushed um, a constitution amendment number one to change the appointment of the judiciary. Yeah. Now, first, checking that Justice Malawa should get another five years. Mm -hmm. I tell you, it was uh, interesting to note when uh, uh, Dr. Kika and other groups challenged the constitutionality mm -hmm. of this extension and having the High Court, uh, led by uh, Judge mm -hmm. Apia Show, um, confirming that actually they are both Justice, uh, Chief Justice Luke Malawa terms expired at 00 hours on 15 May. Mm. So the crisis is now uh, at the center in terms of the legal battles that we are witnessing because the Minister of Justice, uh, the Ambi, uh, the Ambi, the came, came out guns blazing. Uh, in fact, the question of being in contact of court would, would ensue here because we see the executive now using their political clout and challenging the the judiciary and the high court judgment. Okay, let's let's bring in uh, Advocate Sipo uh Dr. Zambara, giving us that historical context around this uh, contestation for the judiciary. Advocate Mandula, your thoughts on, on, on these developments? Uh, thank you, Benjamin. Jumbo Africa to the listeners, even to uh, Brother Webster. There. 
Uh, Benjamin, I think what is critical is that, uh, as you are saying, it is topical, but it is also a very important aspect of looking at the issue of the independence of judiciary. We have to look even at the powers of the president in terms of uh, appointment. And again, we see the challenge around the Judicial Service Commission of Zimbabwe, how it has been, uh, you can say, used. And at the same time, you hear from the Minister of Justice alleging that the judges who were presiding this matter on Saturday, they are captured using the uh, language that is commonly used in our Zondo Commission. Mm. But Benjamin, for some of us, we have seen way back that the issues around the independence of the judiciary or the judges, they are always appointed by the president in most instances to can maintain their status quo. If you look at this, uh, South Africa had a similar uh, dilemma. You remember when President Zuma was obsessed by uh, the then uh, Chief Justice uh, Sandy Lenwabo. Mm. He wanted to reappoint Ngobo when the uh, constitution is clear that you'll only serve a certain period of years, which is almost 10 years, uh, <clears throat> if I'm not wrong, if, if, if we look at our time, because Zimbabwe is almost 15 years. Mm. But now here, Malaba, remember, Malaba comes into the picture because he, he was on the side of the state during 2018 electoral dispute petition. And that's where people have said that this was one of the worst chief justice Zimbabwe had in the history of their uh, judiciary. Well, let's look at that because um, there seems to be now a rift because the amendments have already been um, pulled through and it seems like it's a sealed deal, Advocate Mandula. This decision whereby the High Court is rebutting this decision by the President to extend the term of the Chief Justice brings a lot of contradictions into play because already President Emerson Nangagwa has these powers that he's been given to by the parliament. What are your thoughts of that particular rift? No, no, remember, Benjamin, as you are speaking even now, that the government of Zimbabwe has lodged an appeal which it will not change even the ruling of Saturday. What we should expect is the constitutional court clarifying the powers of the president, even if you can understand that the high court have already went that far to say that you might need to have a referendum even if you want to do that exercise. Mm -hmm. Because remember that we are not talking about an ordinary magistrate or a regional magistrate. We are talking of the chief justice here. We are talking about judges who are occupying high positions. And this has been the challenge in Africa, if I can take you back to 1984, when Julius Nyerere looked at the role of judges broadly, mm. and he said, but the role of judges, when they always going to bet with the, with the state, with executive or with parliament, something is wrong there. So even if you can look at whether President Monangawa has powers, uh, but those judges that he wanted to bring back, they don't enjoy those rights. They cannot benefit out of them. And I think that's what Webster was trying to explain mm. about those amendments that were being, uh, were, were being pushed. And that's where you find that veterans lawyers like Tendai Beatty, mm. uh, who was one of the authors of the 2013 Constitution, they are aware of this 
uh, bottlenecks of uh, appointment of judges by the heads of state, because in some instances is to just protect the executive. In, in terms of that, definitely now we are seeing um, kind of uh, Goliath versus David situation here. And let's not undermine David because he has a bit of a, a stamina in himself because of just his attributes. Um, Adv- Advocate Mandula, this particular battle between government and, st- and, and state and I mean government or state versus um, the, the court, um, how much of a problem is it going to be and what is it going to present looking things forward? I mean, lawyers representing um, mm-hmm. the organizations that secured the High Court ruling leading to the removal of Chief Justice uh, Malaba have filed a complaint to the Registrar, Judge, President and Judicial Service Commission oh, accusing yes. Justice Minister Ziambi Ziambi of contempt of court for mm-hmm. the remarks that he made against them, uh, saying that they are captured in some way and that's a narrative that we also perpetuate here in South Africa when you hear our politics there is a problem when you see this contestation against these two arms of power in in, in any society you will understand that what is uh, at stake here or at the core is a threat to judicial independence and I think I've tried to emphasize on my opening remarks Mm. And uh, you will understand that uh, I was reading one article by the one of the judges who's been implicated in this judgment, uh, Judge Edith Mushure. Uh, he's currently the acting high court judge there. Mm. There was an, an aspect where they were being engaging on a session about the concept of judicial independence. And, and, and I think that's where we are getting it very wrong because judicial independence, it means that you are following the letter of the constitution. And looking at Zimbabwe as a post-constitutional uh, state, post-2013, when they had their constitution, some of us who were there, Benjamin, when they had their uh, constitutional referendum, and if you looked at their constitution, you can say it's a carbon copy of ours as well, when you are talking about judicial independence, appointment of judges, and even their role. But if you look, Judge Edith here, he was emphasizing that the judicial independence is always under public and international scrutiny immediately after election. So he was showing you that the, this uh, eruption or this uh, confrontation that we see between executive, we see between the head of state and judiciary, it has been simmering for some time, you know. Uh, mm. I can say to you, even last year, yeah. there, was, there was an issue that came out where... Uh, lawyers were challenging the same uh, retired chief, Justice Malaba, when he was saying that he issued a memorandum around July, where he was saying every judgment uh, that has been passed in any court in Zimbabwe must pass through the head division. And that's where people started to worry about the power even of the chief justice during that time. And those issues were taken up even to the African court. Now, as you have said now, uh, the role of the executive, even if they want to appeal against this judgment, I don't think the minister Nyambi Nyambi was correct to have used those words of alleging, accusing the judiciary for being captured when he doesn't have evidence. Because I can assure you, Benjamin, both the Constitution of uh, Zimbabwe, Section 164 and 165, 
guarantees the judicial independence. And finally, the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, Article 26, guarantee the independence of the court. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the voice there of uh, our friend here on African Dialogue, Advocate Sipo Mandula. He helps us a lot in understanding the politics of Africa. We're looking at Zimbabwe today. The judiciary system seems to be contested through this new constitutional amendment, which gives uh, President Emerson Nangagwa powers uh, uh, to appoint justices. Uh, we're also joined by Dr. Webster Zambara, who's uh, giving us his time today. I want to get some feedback from Dr. Zambara because there's a lot that has been articulated by Advocate Mandula that he can respond to. But first, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. It is a tough clash between Africa 11 and World 11. Africa has the possession. Bafana, Bafana. Great pass to the members of Mars, then to the crocodiles. Black stars in the middle of the park. Plays it to the right flank. Let's see if Arambe stars can play across. Beautiful pass to Chipolo Polo. Africa wins a free kick in a superb scoring position. Super Eagles, Warriors of Zim, Uganda Crane standing together. Red Devils of Egypt in the mix. He takes a shot. 1-0. Africa is leading. This is Africa at Play with sport from an African perspective. Live every Saturday and Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central African time on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 802 or stream live on channelafrica.co.za, Africa at Play. Live Well is a show focused on the health of all Africans. From mental to sexual health, diseases to exercise, we discuss all things healthy and holistic African living. So let's talk debate and motivate with Live Well, Mondays 10 a.m. CAT on Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. 25 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushata. I'm right here on Channel Africa. Uh, we're listening to us on DSTV Channel 802. And you're also listening to us on www.channelafrica.co.za. It's a bit of a big topic right now, what's happening in Zimbabwe with the contestation of uh, the judiciary. It seems like the separation of power issues has become central right now with uh, the amendment to give uh, the president of Zimbabwe, Emerson Nangagwa, powers uh, to appoint uh, justices and uh, top uh, judges. Um, we've been speaking to Dr. Webster Zambara and Advocate Sipo Mandula, who've been giving us their analysis on this very, very poignant issues. Well, Dr. Zambara, what, what's your take? Because uh, there seems to be a butting of heads between the courts and, and the, the, the executive, as was alluded to there by Advocate Mandula. Interesting. I, I think this discussion puts um, uh, 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 Judge Luke Malaba, former Chief Justice, I would say, yeah. on this. Uh, if you look at uh, the procedure... In the, uh, the, the, the procedure of amendment number two, it's uh, violated some sections of the constitution in the way it was pushed pushed through. For example, the original bill, let's get it right, reaching, uh, extending the term after reaching the age of 70 is not a problem on its own. No, it's not a problem. Mm. The issue here is how it has been done. Now, the original bill 
that was uh, published and that passed through Parliament, and that was where the 90-day consultation period was observed. It said it permitted a judge to extend his or her term after reaching the age of 80, only getting one year extension depending on the certificate on the certificate of medical fitness in the president's consent. This is the original bill. This final bill that was passed itself had a huge change because it changed from the one-year extension to give another full five-year term. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that fundamental difference would have required that Parliament should have sent the bill back for consultation for 90 days because this is a fundamental change from a one-year annual extension to a new five-year term limit. In other words, this new bill changed the retirement age from age from 70 years to 75. Mm. Yet the bill that was discussed and that was consulted on maintains age 70 as retirement age with potential for uh, renewal annually. And the other thing that is uh, very critical here is that Justice Malara, when he became Chief Justice, he went through the interview process, and it was a public interview process, and he scored very well. So he gave, uh, people had a lot of hope in him. The, mm. Along the way, uh, just, uh, Advocate Mansura raised the issue where he tried to, 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 sec- to, to, to secure a position where he would oversee judgments before they are passed. And people began to doubt. But also, a political event happened, actually two, but most important, in which uh, he, he presided, is the challenge to the 2018 election, where he sanitized an election that was otherwise tainted. Mm. So people began, began to see his position as uh, leaning towards the executive. Now, as we come towards the end of uh, his tenure, he did not indicate in any way that he was preparing to leave. Unlike his predecessor, organized interviews well ahead of his departure date, Justice Manawa got to his 70 years age of uh, retirement without giving any sign of retirement, mm. which gave people uh, an impression that here is a chief justice who is really waiting for an extension by hooks or crooks and who really wants to remain. And when that happens, uh, the extension came only a few days before his retirement. Actually, people view it as a a present. Mm -hmm. But another big event is happening in 2023, there are elections. Mm -hmm. And those elections are likely going to be very seriously contested again. And if Justice Malala remains, they, we are beginning to, to hear a narrative that people doubt the sincerity and the independence of the judiciary because if it gets extensions from the executive, it obviously becomes a exception judicial. So that's the challenge we now have. And uh, uh, all this happening, we now see the Minister of Justice, particularly the Minister of Justice, uh, who lost the case in this case. Now trying to use political power to come back to the judiciary. Mm. And that uh, battle 
changing the, the world system such that his say, Justice Manaras continues to say, even if the government wins this appeal, it's intended is not judicially a thing in the world. Mm. You know, I want to move forward, and I, I, I feel like I'm rushing this uh, question, but I feel like it's accurate to ask it now, Advocate um, Mandula. In light of um, what's happening in Zimbabwe, we're seeing almost the same issues impacting a country like South Africa, especially when you look at the issue of the State Capture Commission and bringing the former President Jacob Zuma before it. We know that he's refused to actually adhere to uh, the Constitutional Court's decision to actually stand before the Commission. And that's still a pending issue right now. But former President Jacob Zuma was uh, stating the fact that he says that the um, judiciary is captured in some way or form there hasn't been any form of evidence to, to prove that. But these narratives that we're seeing from these countries, what do they say about us as a continent? And what trends are you seeing in this light? You know, Benjamin, we will recall that uh, not all judges are very famous when they have to pass the ruling against the sitting government. You'll understand uh, the case in start, I mean, case in point in Kenya in 2017, mm. case in 29, 2020, I think Malawi. We saw the, that trend. But again, we saw the trend of how even in Gambia, the Gambia during the time of Yaya Jami, mm. how judges were being handpicked by him as the military ruler. And that's where, again, you see that this tension <clears throat> that is happening that you are raising from South African point of view, been the argument around transformation of judicial, and which I think we have not done enough. I think our Judicial Service Commission that came during the time of Dula Omar in 1994, they did not actually uh, ruffle the, the feathers. What they did was to just to change the keys of Supreme Court of Appeal and change few uh, people on the bench, but still we're still having the remnants of apartheid judges. That one, Benjamin, I can assure you, we still have judges who still have the tendency of looking at parliamentary supremacy vis-a-vis constitutional supremacy. And that's why I think we have the problem that this old guard of judges that have been questioning in this country, you find that most of them have political allegiance. And that's where it, it now becomes a problem because in any judicial oath or any uh, uh, field, you, that you'll be getting into, which is of a public service. You don't need to have political allegiance. Your only allegiance must be to the state. Mm. And, and, and that's where I think some of the judges that we have seen, we have seen how most of them, their political allegiances sometimes become a, an obstacle to can have the rule of law in this region. And that's where you find that most people are questioning even some of the uh, judges who even go to the uh, political rallies of these parties, you know, and, 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 and that's where I think Africa is facing a challenge of its independence of judiciary. And judiciary knowingly that it is representing the public. It doesn't represent the politicians. Well, let me take one more break and I'll bring that question to you, uh, Dr. Zambara. But also there are issues around implications, the consequences of such rifts between the state and and the courts. We'll uh, look at that after our break. (laughs) 
In each and every one of us, there, there is a purpose and grace. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to, to live your life, life by, by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation. motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by design, design, be the architect of your life. life. Only on Channel Africa, be African, be African perspective. perspective. My woman, my everything, yo, I'm available, I'm, a, I'm available. Yo, this is Pata Ranking, and you're listening to Channel Africa on an African Perspective. Yes, I want to have... A global career, you know, starting with Africa. Hi, this is Zayt Bantu, Mr. Bang Bang Bang, Mr. Wasting My Time, Mr. Ghetto. And you're listening to Channel Africa from an African perspective. Indeed, you are listening to Channel Africa. This is where you get the African perspective. With me, Benjamin Moshatama, we are having a conversation with Dr. Webster Zambara, who is uh, stationed at the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. And also we have Advocate Sipo Mandula, an academic and researcher at the Tabumbeki African School of Public and International Affairs. Uh, thanks to them for helping us understand this particular issue. This is a continental issue, uh, Dr. Zambara, we heard those different examples that were brought forward by Advocate Mandula. We know that it's also been an interesting uh, issue. We know in Kenya, we've seen some positive decisions. We know uh, five uh, high court judges in Kenya blocked a government plan to have fundamental changes in the country's constitution. Uh, we know that this is significant because the country is heading uh, for e elections. What trends are you seeing that worry you, but some that may be of a positive nature? Interesting uh, developments we are witnessing, but I think the, the, the tendency of the executive wanting to, to hold all the power is typical politicians. So it's not a surprise that uh, this task exists. Uh, in fact, it said that it's on a few occasions when we witness the judiciary stand its ground, like what we witnessed in Kenya, Malawi, and Zimbabwe, and other countries, it should be the norm. Because if the judiciary does not hold force, it means the society is left to the vulnerabilities of the state, of the executive. And I want to come back to Zimbabwe to put this into context. What's happening now is not new in Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's history based on president, former President Mugabe Ru. Mm -hmm. Whenever he had challenges with the judiciary, he would always use his political muscle. And so we witnessed it in early 2000 um, uh, during the land reform program. Uh, Chief Justice, then Chief Justice Andrew Mugabe was forcibly removed in a half because he was not throwing the, 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 the line. Mm. Uh, the argument here is, it's not that the judgment will be against the executive. It's not that is, that is, that's accepted. Because the executive 
and not to be always right. If the executive takes that chance that you're always right, then it's a danger. Although it's, a, it's a, almost in, in most politicians, the one always wants to get their way. The issue comes when the executive loses a, 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 a case and then uses this political clout and power. We witnessed a number of uh, judges being threatened and hounded out. People would uh, call uh, some, some justices, some, some judicial personnel, getting out of the country, fearing their lives. Absolutely, yeah. Zanupiev does that so many times. Mm. Where it loses in the court, it will rush back to parliament where it controls and, um, and make the necessary legislative changes there mm. so that the court cannot have it their way. But what we are, uh, we are witnessing now, we see uh, this amendment number two. There's a lot of changes that centralizes power in the president. We are talking of a judiciary appointment, yes, senior judicial appointment done by the president. But let us not go uh, lose sight of the appointment of the vice president. Mm, which yeah, the constitution uh, the twenty thirteen constitution has mm. given us a ten year uh, tenure uh, lapse. Twenty twenty three was supposed to have elected vice president, but this has now changed. Yeah. What it therefore means is the president again is going to appoint is to vice president. But not only that, not only that, this amendment is also increasing the number of unelected ministers. Mm, mm, when mm. we have trust, this would be a good thing to do, but the, the chances are that when you increase the number of unelected ministers, they will likely have their allegiance to those who appointed them. Mm, mm. So imagine if you now have seven unelected ministers and you have got Twenty, a cabinet of twenty, which therefore means a third of those in cabinet will be directly appointed and allegiance allegiance to the to the, appoint, uh, the person who appointed them. Mm, mm, mm. So those are all what we are seeing is ahead of 2023 elections a serious move uh, to consolidate power in the executive president, which is already very powerful because he is the executive president and commander in chief mm. of the security uh, mm. of, of, of the security sector. Mm. So we, we then uh, wonder what is in it? Why is it so important that after Mugabe, whom we thought was too powerful, we now have we now see a reversal of this game that had come to the constitution. So mm. No matter how good the intention, no matter how good the intention, but uh, it raises a question, is it necessary? Yeah, well, we've run, we, we've, we've run out of time, but I want to get just a final say because I think, um, Advocate Mantula, we can all hear from 
Dr. Zambara, citing some of those consequences. Uh, just in a minute and a half, just give us your thoughts on the consequences of such rifts. Benjamin, thanks very much. And I think uh, Brother Webster went deeper, uh, which I think we have not uh, uh, dealt, I mean, dealt with that issue of the vice president yeah, as yeah, well. Absolutely. But I think, uh, in short, uh, the issues that we are trying to raise that let's wait and see the uh, appeal process in this matter because it will be the precedent in the SADC region about how do we deal with constitutional amendments vis-a-vis the sitting judges and at the same time the role of the High Court because it seems that the High Court in Zimbabwe is highly active than other courts in terms of their fairness, impartiality and as well as to see the role of the human rights lawyers in that country being active because this is not driven by political parties, it's driven by young lawyers, it's Mm. driven by the human rights bodies in in that country. Mm. So we should not look at it as if it is a political squabble, but a legal contestation. Absolutely. Good pointers uh, to wrap up our conversation. That was Advocate Sipo Mandula, researcher at the Tabumbeki uh, African School of Public and International Affairs, also joined by Dr. Webster Zambara, who is joining us from the IJR. Thank you both, gents, for helping us understand this poignant issues. As you highlighted, there's that element that uh, has to deal with the appointment of uh, vice presidents, which is also an important element that Dr. Zambara brought in. We really appreciate both of you uh, lending us your thoughts. Thank you so much. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting.